Salutations, everybody. This is John Kyle Law coming to you today with episode 13 of the Dark Matter Myth Podcast. This one here is called Finding Everything and Having Nothing at All. Thanks for tuning in. You know, I figure we start this one with a little bit of history today, considering no matter what, history always seems to repeat itself. So, I wanted to take a look back toward the year 1885. In 1885, King Leopold of Belgium established a corporate state. And this corporate state was in the heart of Africa, and it was called the Congo Free State. And he controlled this state with a great fury and fear brought on by his military. And uh, over the span of 23 years in the Congo, over 10 million Africans would be killed and dismembered. In this state, one of the main exports was rubber, and the Belgian military would uh, do everything in their power to extract this rubber from the state and uh, distribute it back to um, Belgium in order to be sold. But in order to enforce this policy, the, uh, the military had to instill fear in the population. And how they did it was they had to establish a quota system and the quotas needed to be met every day by the, uh, the native African slaves that were living there. And if they didn't meet the quota, the price was extremely harsh, extremely high, and it was draconian in its enforcement. Oftentimes, not meeting this quota was punishable by death. But as a token of credit, and eventually as a means of becoming its own currency, Belgium soldiers would chop the hands off of the people who missed their quota and eventually chopped off hands and severed limbs and feet became the quota of paying off missed debts toward the finances of whichever missed rubber allotment. And these chopped off hands would be shipped in bulk almost as a treasure, signifying their conquering of the local people and their brutal enforcement under the direction of King Leopold. Fast forwarding toward the year 1904, there was a young brother named Nasala and he had overseers who uh, expected a certain quota from this young man on a daily basis. And one particular day, he failed to meet the quota 
this rubber quota that was enforced upon him. And as a means of retribution and as a punishment and as an example toward everyone around him, the overseers went to Nasala's family, specifically his five-year-old daughter, and he chopped off her hand and a foot. And her name was Boali. She was five years old. After they were done with her, they went to his wife and killed her. And to add insult to injury, after killing his wife and his five-year-old daughter, they were cannibalized. And after being cannibalized, he was presented with the remains of his former family. Instances like this where Nasala, who worked so hard and eventually found nothing but pain, nothing but a great void in his life, we have the potential of people looking back to be able to define our limits, to define our restrictions, and to delineate which lines we will never cross again in the future. Oddly enough, as people, as humans, we tend to define our progress upon the refinement of societal errors that we've performed in the past. And this is why it's important as people of the earth in order to put our past on display so we can overcome it, so we can identify and target the seeds of hatred and stomp them out once they proceed to grow among us today in present society. Sometimes I think about the people who are extremely vocal about us not putting our past on display and refusing to educate the future generation of uh, whatever we're capable of. And I think of those people as strictly insane. And to fortify that idea, I take a look at Albert Einstein. <laughs> now Albert Einstein has a quote and it says, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. But aside from the atrocities of Belgium and aside from whichever Einstein quote is uh, being highlighted today, how many times have we all undertaken a path that was presented to us we've seen followed and we still follow amongst the path and expected to come out on top. How many of us hit the streets with guns and drugs thinking we wouldn't get locked up and then eventually hit a jail cell for a couple of years? How many of us played with the wrong crowd outside, hit the wrong blunt, found it was laced and caught ourselves in a sticky situation 
How many of us watched our parents self-medicate to fall into the same trap of self-medication, dabbled in the wrong substance and found themselves overdosed, or found themselves compromising their own ethics to feed such an addiction. For many of us who have been in these situations which can possibly compromise our integrity, this is a failure of communication by the same type of people who should have been looking out for us. Their failure to convey the message that you are witnessing someone in your life being consumed by an empty void. And this particular empty void is not normal. And it is not to be followed. And it is not to be glorified. And everything in your power must be done so you are not consumed by the same voids, by the same emptiness. And the failure to illustrate these circumstances for what they are almost guarantees that the people under you, the people coming up behind you, will follow in the same footsteps of toxicity and overall dysfunction. Now when we think about dysfunction, it is in my observation that dysfunction lies in the ego's inability to discern from what is absolutely necessary to what provides a temporary reward and temporary comfort. Taking it a step deeper, it is my opinion that uh, dysfunctional egos come from the inability to form an intimacy with one's surroundings. In order to be in tune with your surroundings, you have to understand that everything we've ever gotten has came from the earth. Everything in our lives have been dug up from the earth and manipulated into one product or another. Every product from the shoes you wear to the device you're listening to this recording on has been extracted from the earth. And if we can't draw a connection to that, if we can't see the direct connection to, with us to the earth, um, a lot of dysfunction is drawn there. A huge line of cognitive connection will never be bridged together with a person who doesn't understand on how resources are harvested and manipulated for the benefit of mankind. So if that cognitive bridge isn't made, if that connection isn't made, what we become are wanderers without a purpose. Or simply just nomads focused on treasures of the imagination. But what we know about treasure is treasure is just temporary. Look at that all the Egyptian kings who tried to take treasure with them into the afterlife. Plenty of them found their graves robbed by thieves in the night. So on earth, what should we do about these treasures we have? These treasures of the imagination. 
these temporary dwellings and dressings that we wear. Well, if we take a look at the Bible, the Bible has a solution. And the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 24. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So in a land where everybody fights so hard to be defined under the banner of Christianity, by this philosophy, perhaps we should give it up, get rid of everything, and find clarity in having nothing at all. You know, our attachments in this life or what brings us pain. This is a basic principle of Buddhism. Attachments come in the form of luxurious items. They come in the form of seeking attention from people who have the sole purpose to misuse you. They come in the form of needing prestigious titles. They come in the form of attachments to materialism. They come in the form of attachments to beliefs that don't serve you or alienate you from others. Our attachments are what holds us back. You know, if you ever saw a hot air balloon take flight, one of the first things that must be done is the pilot has to first shed some weight only then when we can move away from our attachments is when we can truly soar. Now oftentimes I've seen people confuse their children with attachments. You know, I've seen people shed their children, abandon their children as the thing holding them back. I've seen mothers do this, but that's not what I'm getting at. You know what I'm saying? So my belief, a lot of the things we can get rid of are things that cause us the most noise and confusion. And what are these? Perhaps they're the television. Perhaps they're the subscription that we don't follow up, but we pay for. Perhaps it's our need for excitement and finding conflict with others. And lastly, perhaps, one thing that we need to sever with and one thing we need to attach from are the presumptions of what people might tend to think about us. Ultimately, if someone may not have a genuine love for you, then perhaps they don't deserve to be in your life in the first place. Now, while it may be healthy to aspire to a certain level of esteem, the last thing any of us need to be doing is pretending to be something we're not, or debasing ourselves for someone, for someone who may only hold us in a temporary regard. Ultimately, this all circles back to attachment, and eventually, these attachments cause confusion and 
great uncomfortability. Such uncomfortability we can walk into, much like a tar pit of quicksand, gradually pulling us down and pulling us in and eventually consuming us. Or we could opt to a more beneficial sense of uncomfortability, such as discipline. Discipline goes by many words and underlies many concepts. One concept often seen in spiritual circles goes by the name of abstinence. Now, I myself don't really practice any form of abstinence, but I can see the benefits of abstaining from certain things that are of negative influence in my life. Focusing back on discipline. Discipline isn't necessarily running 10 miles every morning. Discipline isn't necessarily living like a monk. Perhaps, and most importantly, discipline is giving yourself a space to create. Oftentimes, our creations, our inspirations, they come from nothing at all. Oftentimes, we're able to materialize masterpieces and genius branches of thought out of mere thin air. This is where we all are at our greatest. This is when we are at that empty void, which is seemingly beyond space and time and this is where we are all closest to ourselves and there we can find unity with all things around us oftentimes the inspiration we do gather comes in a form of creating networks you could think of how Jeff Bezos launched Amazon from his garage but um Through these networks, perhaps, we will be able to move and manipulate Earth, space, and time into our favor. If we allow our egos or our lower selves to consume our momentum, building these networks, we can end up becoming an emasculating force. Ones whose potential could have been based on sustainability but instead it devolves into something that was a force for mutilation, disconnection, and an ultimate dismemberment for anyone it came across. Much like what happened to Nasala, his wife and his five-year-old daughter, when King Leopold II would stop at no ills when seeking a total acquisition of power. And this is a good place to sign off. Once again, this is John Kyle coming to you with episode 13 of the Dark Matter Myth Podcast. Hopefully with this one, you were able to uh, learn something new and uh, take something really deep away with it with you. And... You know, that's my goal when I'm doing these. I'm always trying to sprinkle a little bit of history and 
a lot of knowledge in between these podcasts. So um, I guess that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in once again. Peace and much love.